welcome to the Mind Your Leadership podcast. I'm Karen Silk. In this podcast, I will have conversations with thought leaders, CEOs, and managers from various organizations about leading mindfully. We will learn from experienced leaders how they implement mindful leadership in the day-to-day organizational culture, and we will gain tools and skills. So stay with us. Hello. Today, I will speak with Andrew Butler. Andrew has 25 years of experience as a thought leader in organizational effectiveness and as a practical operator linking business strategy to HR priorities inside corporation. He is the co-author of the book, Scaling for Success, People Priorities for High-Scale Organizations. Today, we'll speak about what's need to be done in order to scale for success what are the mental challenges that entrepreneurs and executives need to overcome in order to succeed? So stay with us. So Andrew, it's a pleasure to be here and happy that we connected today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. Always uh, always a little bit of a challenge with the with time zone uh, and video conferencing challenges. Yes. And technology, huh? Right. Glancing. So, Andrew, you have a consulting company, right? I have a couple of uh, overlapping con- things going at the same time. So, I, I uh, founded Series B Consulting. I primarily talk about People Leader Accelerator. Right. So... I'd really be happy to hear if you can share with us your what caused you to start your business and what motivated you. And if you can share with us the significant experience that you went through your journey, you know, when what actually brought you to this path and calling. Well, hey, in a nutshell, um, I started a business a couple of years ago, two, three, four years ago. I had left the working world as the head of HR, been head of HR four, five, six times at, at different companies, depending how you count it with mergers and acquisitions. Uh-huh. And I, you know, pulled my golden parachute, had all my equity vest and, you know, had a little bit of financial freedom and was trying to figure out what to do with myself. And ultimately I decided I wasn't feeling very useful. I was, uh, you know, stay at home dad briefly with my two little girls uh, I started writing my my bucket list book um, right behind me, uh, published by Columbia University a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, ultimately just I was feeling unfulfilled and thought, well, what can I, what does the world need? What could I be useful for? And, uh, you know, the book was intended to help high growth companies grow more effectively with fewer pitfalls uh, along the way. You know, especially for HR leaders at those high growth companies. Mm-hmm. And so I started my consulting and mentoring business called Series B as an outgrowth from the book. And, and then shortly thereafter, once the book got released, I started People Leader Accelerator, which is a executive education program for top human resources leaders at mm-hmm. high growth companies. So you know, my, my motivation was do something that I know something about mm-hmm. um, and, and help other people that are, are walking in the same shoes that I had been in for 25 years. Mm-hmm. Interesting. 
I love it that you thought about what the world needs right now, right? Because looking how we can serve our communities, our colleagues, and whatever needed in order to bring our presence to the world. So I think it's the right way of thinking. Also, what we love doing and what is needed and finding the balance between these two. And it's interesting because I, I, I saw that during your career, you really, as you said, mentioned over the course of your career, you participated in more than 11 MA transitions. You know, it's really a tough situation once merger and acquisition, right? One loses his identity, other company take over their identity. What did you find in this merger and acquisition, the most challenging part? And how did you help them overcome this critical challenges? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm actually probably north of two dozen mergers and acquisitions at this point. So call it a dozen being the, uh, an in-house human resources leader. And now for the past couple of years, I work with a number of different clients and have a cornerstone client in private equity where I help them with diligence and with mergers and acquisitions uh, work. So I've added at least another dozen over, over the past uh, couple of years. You can also see from different uh, direction, right? From the inside and the outside. So it's yeah. more interesting. Yeah, there, there are a lot of angles. There's the acquirer. Mm-hmm. There's the acquired or acquiree both in-house and now as the outside third party trying to advise and get to the best possible outcome for the resultant company, that's a different perspective. And sometimes the companies that I'm working with are the acquirer, sometimes Mm -hmm. they're acquirees. So there are at least four angles that I've firsthand experienced this at. And I think you're right to key in on there are some common themes. Mm -hmm. There are some common challenges. And I think you initially used a really interesting word that I'd agree with, and that's identity. Mm-hmm. So both organizations coming together have history, have a way of doing things in the past that usually there's at least some familiarity, if not pride, usually some pride. Like we did pretty good. We're pleased with how far we've taken whatever organization we're part of. There's almost always some level of change management, resistance to change, and communication ends up being the magic wand in most cases. You can't can't solve everything with that magic wand of communication, but boy, um, it's a really important tool. Mm -hmm. Yes, you you talked about pride and ego. I think it's it's challenging to let go. You know, it's also letting go of of our baby, of what we created and now calling him another name, changing the essence of our baby. So I found it really challenging to connect them to a new culture, to, to create something new. What will be, you, will be your tips based on your vast experience in different viewpoints in order to make it happen? What is the most crucial thing that you think can help? I think it's around have a clear point of view. Mm-hmm. about what your culture is, about where, where you want the organization to end up. Mm-hmm. Let me elaborate on that just, just for a moment. I think far too many organizations talk about culture, but they don't really own it. Mm-hmm. They don't really take a stand and differentiate themselves in a meaningful way. For most organizations, it ends up being kind of foggy, fluffy, 
marketing words that show up on a mouse pad or on a wall. And most people can't remember the five terms or values that they use. And so culture kind of develops on its own inside that organization because no one is taking a really intentional, authentic stand. And so the most impactful thing that you can do in an M&A and really outside of M&A as well, in terms of any sort of culture development is have a point of view, take a stand, be authentic. Here's who we are. Here's how we make decisions. Here's how we're different. Usually it's based on whoever the decision makers are and how they make those decisions, right? So if you're a founder-led company, the founders lead it. And I see lots of organizations just diluting and watering it down and asking their massive employees what our culture should be. Mm -hmm. But the massive employees aren't actually making the decisions about who gets hired, fired, promoted, rewarded, et cetera. It's the decision makers. So take a stand, be real, realize it's not going to be attractive to everyone, but chances are you're better off being really clear, open, and authentic about how things really work than having some bland, diluted, watered down marketing terms that nobody remembers anyway. I truly connect to it and agree with you. You say show up fully and dare to show, to be present with who you are. Some people will love it. Some, some people won't love it. That's okay. Maybe the, the organization is changing, the culture is changing, and maybe it's time to let go of some of the employee. They need to let go and we need to find new people to join the journey. So the ability to, you know, to be really clear and direct where we're going and to also to be able to, to let go of people. How do you see this experience? I think, you know, from my experience, you know, as executive manager, it doesn't matter. We don't like to say goodbye to employees. It's an uncomfortable situation because, you know, as I see it, it's a little bit resonant with us on our private selves, right? Separation, ego, something more complex than only saying goodbye to an employee. How do you see this processes when you work with HR and in companies and the culture? The aspect of uh, letting go of people and finding maybe tailoring a new job, but really listening to what's needed and letting go if it doesn't work. What is your experience around this? Well, unfortunately, lots of experiences with job eliminations and reductions in force and you know, having been in human resources leadership positions through all those mergers and acquisitions and Oftentimes there's overlap and you know, redundancy. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes part of the reason for companies coming together is cost savings. And so that, that's an intentional rationale for why the companies come together. As you're talking, I was thinking about a, a famous quote, and I hope I quote this at least closely. I think it's Mark Twain or Samuel Clemens said, everyone should, leave, should live in New York City for a while but leave before they get too hard. Yeah, Everyone should live in California for a while, but leave before they get too soft. And, and I relate that to companies merging and letting go of workers and job eliminations and that the human resources role is walking a tightrope between being hard, being cold to the impact that losing a job has on someone individually, their financial security, their family, their mortgage. Boy, if you, if you lose that compassion, get out of the work. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, 
if you're such an if you're such an advocate for the employees that you lose sight of the, the business rationale and the health of the organization and the reason for the companies coming together is you know you have two people in accounting and two people in HR and you only need one it, it's still a business that um, you're you're trying if you lose sight of the business rationale um, then it's time to get out of that work as well. Uh, so I, I think of this work as that sort of tightrope where you're trying to navigate between the compassion and care that workers deserve and the, the cold realities of the business landscape, which your company needs from you in your human resources role. You're not doing your job unless you're you know, faithfully executing on uh, some of those tasks. So I actually have published an open source reduction in force toolkit. Uh, mm-hmm. that has 15 or 20 uh, documents, logistical templates, FAQs, severance forms, because organizations struggle with this sort of thing. And when you're in a, in a spot where you need to make that tough choice, you should try to do it as thoughtfully and as supportively as you possibly can mm-hmm. uh, so that you don't wind up being one of those companies that has a CEO on a big Zoom call laying people off and doing it, you know, in a, in a really unprofessional way. Right. So if you're going to do it, do it with thought, do it with preparation and uh, answer people's questions and do your best to take care of them um, on the way out. Actually, what you're saying, I call it to hold the tension, like a paradoxical viewpoint. You need to see both, right? The employees needs and the organization needs the speed and quality, short term and long term. So we really need to be present in the moment with what occurs and hold both in mind and from this place to find the right solution to emerge. So maybe in a situation you can have a conversation with an employee and find and tailor a new job, right? Description, move them to another, rotate between jobs, or maybe it's time to let go and that's okay. And also holding in mind the bigger picture and saying, okay, it's not a good fit anymore. Also not from the employee, also not for the organization. Sometimes we're attached and you're creating unpleasant feelings and situation also for the employee because it's not in alignment anymore. So I think we need as leaders and managers to hold it in our mind that sometimes it's time to let go. And that's also okay. It's part of the process. He will find a new job that better fits for him and we'll find a better candidate for what we need right now. So it's, you know, it's personal, not personal. We need to, as you said, we need to see the professional, but doing it in a human way, right? So it's... Yeah, I, I live in the San Francisco Bay Area, you know, the, the tech hub of the world still, I guess. Maybe Austin's catching up fast. But I, I've seen layoffs um, start to propagate tens of thousands of layoffs from previously high-flying venture-backed tech companies. You know, as the market has dropped, as interest rates are rising in the U.S. and around the world, companies are taking a more defensive stance Mm-hmm. and being more cautious about their cash burn rate, right? And so with that comes cutting costs. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a tough situation. And at the same time, if you're not being conservative about your cash position, if you're not being conservative about your expenses, which, which is largely headcount for most of these companies, mm-hmm. then you could be putting at risk the, the health of the entire company. And the entire company could go away. And so I, I've seen kind of a lot of traffic on LinkedIn and you know, some of the professional social networks that I'm part of around you know, bad employer. You should never have to lay anybody off. You can redeploy recruiters into 
doing other things and redeploy salespeople into doing other things. And I'd say, I wish it were that easy, but if you're trying to cut costs, Mm -hmm. redeployment doesn't do that. Redeployment has people doing different things, but you're still paying them. Mm -hmm. And so I I don't think it's as easy. It's a lot more nuanced. I, I think companies are well served by doing as much forward planning as they can, knowing it's never going to be perfect, um, but also taking decisive action rather than waiting and waiting and waiting. So take the action to ensure the health of your organization, of your enterprise, of all the employees that continue to work for you that may not have that opportunity if you fail to, t- if you fail to make a tough decision. That's so true. Sometimes you know, I see it from my experience. Sometimes when leaders or managers don't have the courage to let go of employees and they're not a good fit, people are seeing it and they're also talking about it. And they, it's a message that you deliver to them subconsciously without saying anything, but you say, okay, that's okay not to do your job, right? It's okay. We won't do anything. And then it's reflect on the culture, right? You say, okay, I'm in a culture that they're not looking for professionality and I'm not sure here. So I don't feel comfortable. I, I don't feel safe. So what do you say? I love it because at the end of the day, by doing difficult actions like saying goodbye, farewells, etc., you convey a message that we see you, it's important for us, and we do the tough thing, even if we don't feel comfortable, but we are thinking broadly, right, of the employees and the culture. So I think this is the most challenging, I think, as leaders and being humans, that we need to have tough decision, cut thing, and be... Yes, demanding, as you said, not only being human, but demanding. So it's a crucial balance that we need to find. Andrew, you wrote the book Scaling for Success. Uh, what is the most crucial element that you see in organizations nowadays that leaders need to invest? And especially now in the hybrid reality, I think we as leaders need to act a little bit differently. What is your experience and what did you want them? Yeah, well, hey, honestly, I started writing the book pre-COVID and completed ah. and completed it during COVID. Wow, this was quickly nice. Yeah, yeah, it was still a heck of a heck of a long road. You know, uh, I'm very proud of working with Columbia uh, University Press, um, although it's not the fastest to market uh, process working with an academic press. Yeah, I'd suggest that remote and hybrid work don't change the basic principles of human resources management mm-hmm. that doesn't change the, the uh, core foundation of don't get distracted, period. Don't get distracted. So let, let's start with you know a couple of the core concepts there. Have a plan. Mm-hmm. Number one, have a plan. So in the chaos of a high growth organization, that chaos often becomes an excuse for more chaos. I can't plan. I can't come up with at least an estimate of how many people I need working, where, doing what, Mm -hmm. because we don't know what the future will hold. And I might get it wrong. And then my investors and my employees will will be disillusioned and all the momentum we have uh, grinds to a halt. I would push back very strongly on that and say, you must have a plan to have a direction, make it a lightweight plan that you're prepared to have it evolve. But if you don't have that direction, you can't get your people aligned around you. Mm-hmm. If you can't do, this relates to you know, some of the layoffs that we talked about. If you can't do some forward planning mm-hmm. about how many people you need where at what cost doing what, you're going really t- to be a really tough spot. So don't settle for chaos. Mm-hmm. You know, two is 
ruthlessly prioritize. There will always be bright, shiny objects to chase, interesting progressive practices. You'll go to some CEO founder dinner or YPO event or investor forum, and somebody will say, do do something, and you'll want to take it back to your organization. Wow. Think hard before lifting and shifting somebody else's practice. Think hard before adding three more things to the plates of your team. If you are failing to prioritize, you're likely to fail, period. One of my favorite sayings is uh, you can move three things a mile or 30 things an inch. Chances are your organization will be a lot better off being clear about the three most important things. Those are two, you know, that wrapped into that, be brilliant at the basics. Like don't, don't get distracted, have a plan, do the basics really well, prioritize really well. I think these are just foundational business and operating principles that when you're scaling up, seem to get lost, seem to get mm-hmm. forgotten in the chase for growth. You know, but as you're speaking, I'm thinking about we are living in a vocal reality, right? Vitality, complex, ambiguity, uncertainty. So if in the past we can say, okay, my strategic planning for the five years is this and this, I don't think that we can know what will happen in five years. It's a lot of time. Like we need to think two years ahead. And at the same time, as I see it, we need to have a clear vision. But when I'm working with leaders, I tell them, okay, we have the vision, but we don't know how we'll get there. Not always we know. We need to create space if it's for serendipity to happen or for opportunities. So I think, it's a, again, it's a balance between showing the direction and enabling a space and immersion during the process. How do you see this? What do you think about this? Yeah, agreed. Like pick, pick the right granularity mm-hmm. and pick the right time period for your planning. So, hey, if you're, a, if you're a startup and have no idea whether you're a product market fit yet or not, and you're trying to figure out whether to hire your second person, there's a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you have some big long-term vision about we're going to democratize something. Or we're going to, you know, right, that, that tends to be the tagline, or we're going to build this software product into an empire, you know, worth $300 million, whatever that is. Here's your vision. What are you going to do? What's most important to you right now, right? Mm-hmm. Is most important to you right now completing user acceptance testing and hiring your first, hiring a technical co-founder? Great, write it down. Put it on a board where you can see it. If you have a small team of you know, 10, 20, 100 employees, make sure they know what's most important right now. Patrick Lencioni, founder of The Table Group, author of Five Dysfunctions of a Team and all these other books. I, I really like, he doesn't have the best sort of science-backed, research-backed stuff, but it's really easy to grasp. You know, he, he talks about the six questions for clarity mm-hmm. and just bringing clarity to yourself as a, as a business owner, I'm now running three different businesses, which is mind boggling sometimes. And I support people that run 30 different businesses. What's most important right now for you and for your team? Mm-hmm. Be clear about it. And for some organizations, you can have a long-term view. For some organizations, you're talking about that on a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. You know, search for that Goldilocks zone where it's not too far out in the future, it's not just what you need to do today. It's not so granular that you have a 900 things on an action item list, but you'll look for that happy medium where 
how far out into the future can we reasonably plan? What are the most important things? And let's get our team aligned around it. And I think that's the number one skill of a successful business leader at any size organization is bringing some order to the chaos, Mm -hmm. bringing some direction to all the possibilities. Creating alignment. And at the same time, I think, you know, we are changing as individuals, our companies are changing. I think we need to be able to pause once in a while and ask ourselves also tough questions. Am I on the right path? I'm attached to something that I'm not sure serves us anymore. What do I need to let go? Maybe I evolve to other values that I want to bring in front. So I think also the understanding that we are changing, our companies are changing, our friends are changing. We really need to be able to be adaptive, right? We're talking about the agility nowadays in organization. In order to survive, they need to be agile. Otherwise, they won't make it. Right. I, I just yesterday completed a Harvard Business School online certification, Entrepreneurship Essentials. So, you know, did a month with a couple hundred people from all over the world. And in that program, they talk about entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. I extend it to any business being the process of testing hypotheses. Mm-hmm. So do customers want this thing? Will customers be willing to pay enough for this thing so that it's profitable, profitable for me to provide? You know, what, what's the most effective way to market that? You know, you, you can set up all sorts of different hypotheses. But if you, if you think about the work as testing these different things, you just move from one to the next and you're not winning or losing. You're not failing. You're just, you know, like an inventor, you're testing different ideas and moving along where something doesn't work. You move to the next thing where that doesn't work. You move to the next thing. And so inherent in business is that idea about testing and pivoting and testing and pivoting. And I think pivot gets a bad word in the high growth you know, tech community, because that means you've burnt a bunch of capital and you're doing something different. But I don't think it needs to be that way. I, I think it's a learning process. Any business is a learning process. And if you look at it that way, you'll be a lot more agile. You'll be a lot more willing to change your direction. That's right. It's a, like Carol Dweck talked about in a book, Mindset, about growth mindset, right? You need to adapt and change versus the fixed mindset because if we'll be in the fixed mindset we won't try anything and then we won't be relevant and I love what you said that we need to see our businesses as a process as a journey that we are evolving and learning and sometimes we're on the right direction sometimes we need to change but this is the process actually this is what we're doing here learning through the process and the business is the outcome that we for sure want to succeed but it's a learning process I couldn't agree more and it's really interesting. Before we, we wrap up, is there anything that I didn't ask you, a tip that you want to give to our listeners, uh, whatever comes to your mind? Well, I, I think I just maybe reinforce one of the concepts I talked about earlier around like there, there's such value in building a firm foundation. There's such value in being brilliant at the basics rather than chasing the idea of the moment. Mm-hmm. And so at companies large and small, Individual managers might be listening to this, uh, you know, this podcast. I just encourage everyone to be thoughtful about what matters most and do that really well. Don't get distracted by all the other stuff. And what matters most may be different for you and your organization than you know somebody else's group that you're a part of. 
that that will set you apart as a good leader is making good choices around what those most important things are. That's a lot of the work that I do with human resources leader. I'll give myself a plug if you, if you allow me. People Leader Accelerator is a professional development program for human resources leaders. And so we focus, you know, it's, it's like an executive MBA. We only do it twice a year. We take a very small group of top HR leaders and help them think about how to approach the work. Mm-hmm. It's not about going to some conference and finding out all the new cool vendors and technologies that you can sign up for subscriptions with. Uh-huh. It's, about, it's about figuring out what, how do you figure out what's important to your business, your investors, your C-suite, and line up all your activities to support those things. I think in HR, we often get lost working on HR things. And, and so the same idea extends into any function is just understand what's important and put all your efforts into those few aligned, prioritized things. Now I'm curious because you said you're working with a a small group of HR people and each and every one has different priorities and notifications. So each and every one works on his own things or you're given generic tools how to prioritize and do it in their own company. Is it a transformative course or... Yeah, we, we kind of split the difference in that we minimize the range of difference. So we, we work with head of the function in human resources, smallish, like not yet public, call it Series B, uh, institutional capital to Series D plus. Mm-hmm. So anywhere from 50 employees to 1,500. Head of the function, HR, typically founder-led companies. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's a range. And it's different types of businesses, but, you know, high growth, pre-public, founder-led, head of the function, there's a lot of similarity there. Similar challenges, similar jobs, similar types of of organizations. And even then there's a range. So we do talk about frameworks of stakeholder analysis, Mm -hmm. prioritization, alignment, and specifically, tactically, practically, how does that line up in recruitment, rewards, uh, internal communications and culture activities for you. And so it's not a one-size-fits-all checklist, but within that range of organizations, we help those HR leaders Mm -hmm. figure out what the most important things are for them. Sounds great and needed. If uh, people want to reach out to get your advice and work, how can they find you? Yeah, thank you. Um, Number one, please follow me on LinkedIn, Andrew Bartlow. You can find me there. I post stuff too frequently. And then the website for People Leader Accelerator is just that, peopleleaderaccelerator.com. Great. And you, thank you very much for your wisdom and sharing of your knowledge. I had a great time. Thank you. My pleasure. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. You're invited to subscribe to our podcast in order to know when we upload a new episode and follow us on social media. Thank you for listening. Until next time, take care and bye-bye.